also going to look in Luke chapter 13 because both of these Gospels have this passage a little differently read, but, but it's the same passage, of course, in the Gospels in different books. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7 and then skip over. When we get to the meat of the message, we're going to look in Luke uh, chapter number 13. Today I'm going to preach a message I've entitled, The Saddest Words in the Bible. I'm going to tell you up front, this ain't a fun message to preach. It's really not. This isn't what I wanted to preach. I had another message. I was going to preach about Moses and the freedom God gave his children coming out of Egypt. That's what I wanted to preach, but I felt like I needed to preach what God gave me. And God kept drawing my attention back to this very in-your-face message about salvation. About knowing Jesus. I don't know who in here today is saved or lost, but God does. God knows if you're saved and God knows if you're lost. You can fool me, you can fool your spouse, you can fool your kids. But God knows. Because the Bible says when He looks, He don't look... we, We tend to look at what people are wearing... The outward, but God says, I look at the heart. When God looks at this crowd today, he's looking at our hearts. And so today, I would ask you to examine your heart and ask yourself, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because that's what we're going to preach today. Matthew 7, verse 13, the Bible says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many... There be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. To me, the saddest words in the Bible is when someone stands before Jesus and he tells them to depart because he never knew them. I'm not sure if it gets any sadder than that. Depart from me. I never knew you. Saddest words in the Bible, I believe. Now, before we get into the message today, I need to give you some things. These are not in your notes. But I think it's important 
that we understand going into this, and we'll look at Luke chapter 13 in a minute when we get into the, the bullet points, but I wanted to read that account first. I want to tell you what salvation is not. Salvation, because I don't know what everyone in here is depending on for your salvation. But let me just clarify, salvation, according to the Word of God, is not reciting a prayer. It's responding to a call. It's not saying a certain amount of words or someone walking you through a prayer. I'm not saying you can't pray the sinner's prayer and get saved. What I am saying is if the Holy Spirit didn't convict you and draw you to a place of repentance, you can't be saved. It's responding to a call. There's got to be that time in your life when you remember that happening where the Holy Spirit dealt with you. Number two, salvation is not reformation, it's transformation. Salvation is not God making us better, it's God making us new. Amen? God made me a new man when I got saved. Not an improved version. I didn't turn over a new leaf. I was a brand new person when Jesus saved me. Hallelujah for salvation. He don't just help us, amen? He changes us. He makes us brand new. I remember when my dad got saved and I didn't know what happened, but I knew I had a new daddy. That's what I knew. Salvation's not reformation, it's transformation. Thirdly, salvation is not controlled by our timing, but God's. You're going to learn today in one of the notes we take that you can only get saved when God's dealing with you. People make the mistake, well, I'll do it later, I'll get saved later. God's been dealing with me, preacher, but I'm not ready. I'm going to get saved when I want to get saved. No, you won't. You'll only get saved if God's dealing with you. The Holy Spirit is required for somebody to get saved. Make no mistake about it. It's in God's timing. And then number four, salvation is not asking God to be a part of your life. There's no such thing as partial salvation. Salvation takes full surrender. It's humbly and in repentance, bowing to God in full surrender, yielding to the control of the Holy Spirit, repenting of our sin. Hey, there's a lot of things we can debate on. One thing you can't debate on in the Bible is it takes repentance to get saved. And it takes a convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God for someone to get saved. Those are what the things that salvation's not. So in our passage today, we find that there are two gates. Your foundational thoughts are this. There are two gates at the threshold of eternity. The straight gate and the wide gate. That's your first note, I believe. The straight gate and the wide gate. Two gates at the threshold of eternity. Your second bullet point is this. The straight gate, according to our passage, leads to life. But the wide gate leads to destruction. Straight gate leads to life, but the wide gate leads to destruction. I picture myself, if you would, a wide gate on this side. It's broad, the Bible says. It's wide. And according to the Word of God, millions, even billions of people are flowing through this gate. This gate that leads to destruction. Hey, let's just say it. This is the gate that leads to hell. Amen? That's that's where billions of people are going. And, And you see, here's the deal. 
All of us were one time were headed that way, amen? You see, we were born with a sin nature. We were born in sin that our moms conceive us. David tells us that. So we're born with this nature and we're headed down this wide gate to destruction. But there had to come a point in our life as we were headed to the gate of destruction that Spirit of God dealt with us and convicted us of our sin. And we repented and that word repent means to turn. Man, we turned around, didn't we, when we got saved? I mean, we did an about face. And we, we turned to God and we, we looked to heaven and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm convicted today of my sin nature. There's no good in me, God. I feel your presence. I need a Savior, God. I turned and I called out to God to save me. That's what salvation is. If you hadn't had that experience, I'm not saying we all have the same experience, but I am saying without conviction and without repentance, there is no salvation. Some of y'all that are dependent on a trivial prayer, signing a card, a feeling, I'm going to tell you, there's days I don't feel saved. Amen? But I can always go back to the spot where I repented and I called out to God to save my soul. I know where that happened. But there's three groups of people, I believe, that will hear the saddest words in the Bible when Jesus tells them, I never knew you. Here in this chapter, uh, we find Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he states that there's two paths, a, a straight gate, a narrow way that leads to life. And then he says there's a wide gate that's a broad way that leads to destruction. And according to this passage, the Bible says there's going to be many more people that, that go this way than go this way. The Bible says uh, uh, many more will find that wide gate that leads to destruction. And what the Bible's doing there, it's a comparative. When you, when you think about the billion, I think there's six plus billion people on the face of the earth today. When you think about the billions of people that have lived on this earth, God is reminding us in this passage that, that the majority of those people are, are headed down the wrong way. Because we're all born that way. We were all headed that way. It, it takes a, a powerful, supernatural, it still takes supernatural Holy Ghost power to save someone and to get them to repent and go that this, hey, salvation's plan is simple, but this is not the easy way to go, church. He says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Now, you can't work your way to heaven, and we'll see that in a minute. But, but, but that word strive literally is a synonym, is a synonym for the word agony, the, the same word that, that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he agonized over paying the price for sin, God's telling us there, there must be a time in your life when you've agonized over your sin nature, your sinful condition, the fact that you were guilty before God and turned and went down the narrow way. It's still a narrow way to live for Jesus, by the way. A wide gate and a narrow gate. We teach and preach here at Gospel Light that the plan of salvation is simple, and it is, but it doesn't mean it's always easy to get saved. He said to strive. We teach all men are sinners and that sin separates us from God. That's in Romans 3, 23. We know the Romans road. Brother Eric's taught us that from the ground up. 
We know that we're all sinners. It separates us from God. We teach that a payment had to be made for sin. And it it couldn't just be any payment. It had to be a, a payment of a spotless lamb, a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus, praise the Lord, became that payment. He paid for my sin and God was satisfied with that payment, with that sacrifice. But I'm telling you, it's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to eternity with God. There's not, let me just clarify, there's only one way to get saved. We live in a culture today where people talk about a lot of different things you can do to be saved. Let me just reiterate today at Gospel Light, there's only one way to get saved, and that's through the Gospel. It's the only way. There's a lot of methods. There's a lot of methods to use to draw people to a salvation But there's still only one way. If you're not going by the blood of Christ, you're not going. That's what the Scripture teaches. So it's a narrow way. And what bothers me is this. Even as a pastor my whole life, this has bothered me. God says only a few people are going to find it. Brother Mark, that bothers me. Only a few people. I, I've prayed before and, and said, God, why? I've been in my office before when I pastored in Mississippi on my knees saying, God, why? Why? I don't like that passage. God, how come in a, in a nation where we have so many mediums where the gospel's preached, so many churches where people hear how much Jesus loved them and he died for their sin, and if they'll trust him, he can be, they can be saved. God, why? Why in an in a age where where the Bibles are, are prevalent, especially in our country, and, and the gospel is freely given, and we still have liberty to, to tell people, why, God, do you tell us in your word that when it comes down to it, only a few people are going to make it? Well, comparatively speaking, I believe God's trying to teach us two things, and then we're going to jump into the message. When you consider the billions of people, there's only going to be a small fragment of that in heaven. Going to be a lot of people go to heaven to be with Jesus. But when you consider the billions of people that have lived, he's doing a comparison there. He said it's really going to be just a few. Now, let me say this in love God wants everybody to be saved. Man, whosoever. But he gave us a free will, it's still a choice. He's not going to force you, he will draw you. The Bible teaches us that he will draw us. But he will not force us. It's a drawing. It's not a pushing. Why, God? And I believe the answer to that question, why will only a few find it? And the answer to the question, I believe, is in the Scripture. It's because there's going to be a lot of people who hope they're saved, who think they're saved, Some even believe they're saved, but they're not saved. I believe that's the answer. I believe he teaches us that. He said there's going to be a lot of people that say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied, I cast out devils, I taught, I hung around with you. And he's going to say, I never knew you. We're going to learn today in these next few minutes what salvation really is. And you need to examine your heart. Let me say this. I'm not trying to scare anybody into get saved because I got news for you. If you're really saved, I can't talk you out of it. I can't. 
If you know for 100% sure you're saved, I can't talk you out of it. You can doubt your salvation every now and then, but if you're really saved, God will give you victory over that. He has me. There's been times I've been getting ready to preach, and God say, you, devil, devil say, you ain't even saved. What are you doing up there? And I'm like, you crazy devil. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't saved. Amen. I'd be on the golf course or something in my skinny jeans. Amen. I wouldn't be up here ready to preach. I think there's a lot of people that think they're saved and they're not saved. That's what he tells us. A lot of people that think they're going the narrow way, but man, they're just plowing right here. Think about this, church. All these people that are going this way. You know, the way you and I used to be going that are saved, we all used to be going this way, didn't we? But now we're going the narrow way, amen? Who's walking by us? How many people do you walk by each day that's going the way of destruction? How many people walk by you at the office, at work, that are headed to a way of destruction? They're walking by you because you're going this way. Well, one of the things we need to get out of this message today is God help me to get a fresh energy to tell someone about Jesus. God help me with that. God, how many people have walked by me this week? They're headed to hell. They're headed to destruction. How many did I have the opportunity to share my faith with? Because I got news for you, church. Saved or lost, we're all going to stand before God one day. You believe the Bible. That's in there. Everyone in this room is going to stand before God, either saved or lost. And if you're lost, he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart. And if you're saved, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for your works. Sobering thoughts today on this Freedom Sunday. Three groups of people who will hear the saddest words in the Bible, I never knew you. The first group, and this is in your notes, Let me give you the point, and then we'll give you the notes in just a minute. This group is people that are lost, and they know they're lost. And they're out there. I meet them every week. I met a guy two weeks ago. said, we we were having lunch. I was was waiting to go somewhere and stopped to grab a bite. This guy, I could tell he was a salesman for another company, and, and we got to talking. And, and the Lord led me to say to him before we left, hey, I got one more thing I want to talk. We talked, connected a little bit about business. And, and uh, I said, I'm, I'm actually a counseling pastor at our church, an elder at our church. And uh, I got to ask you something before we leave, man. His name was Tom. I said, Tom, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? He said, well, I, you know, I try to be a good person. I said, well, that ain't what I ask you. Do you know Jesus? He said, well, I got to go. And and I thought to myself as he left, that's probably most of the people we meet today. And that's the first time, can I be transparent, that I've said anything to anybody in weeks about their eternity. God, forgive me. God, God convicted me of that. God gives us opportunities. I'm not saying to be rude, run up and tell someone they're going to hell, but as you have connections in your week and strike up a connection, that's not by accident. God wants you to share His love. Maybe the message today is more for the saved than the lost. I don't know, 
But I know there are a whole lot of people out there that are lost and they know they're lost. This group makes up the, the biggest part of a lost and dying world that is searching for something that will satisfy. And they try everything this world has to offer and they never find fulfillment because you cannot fill a spiritual void with carnality. I'm talking about spiritual fulfillment that only comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, picture with me in your mind the six billion plus people and the souls that are pouring into this gate of destruction today that we walk by every day. Some are lost and they know they're lost. Some just don't have time for God. They just don't have time. I meet them. No, I don't have time for God. Some today just can't fit Him into their schedule. Some today just reject Him. They're lost and they know they're lost and they're not going to believe. Some are like that. They're just not going to believe. Many will pour through this gate because they just don't believe in God. Only a few will find life. Some just don't have time. Some today will do this. They'll depend on their riches for fulfillment. You know, the Bible teaches us that wealth gives us a false sense of security. I meet people every, every month, wealthy people, and, and it gives us a false sense of security. I got news for you, church. The wealthiest man in Hot Springs that's lost has less than the bus kid that knows Jesus. That bus kid's wealthier than the man that has all the money in the world but rejects God. Some just count on their riches for fulfillment. They don't have time for God. They, they, they look at their career as a way to fulfill their life. They look at their wealth, their riches, their themselves. Some today look for an adrenaline rush for their high. Many in our world today have turned to drugs. Scourge of our country today. Alcohol, painkillers, immoral, immorality, and immoral lives. They're trying to find fulfillment. But all that's temporary. Amen? There's pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible says that. But it's always temporary. The drug addict, what happens? Well, he has to go back again, don't he? The alcoholic has to go get another drink to get that buzz again. But hallelujah, when you get saved, you only have to do it one time. Man, I'm telling you, I've been satisfied since the day I got saved. I've been fulfilled. That void is fulfilled. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything new. Jesus filled my soul, gave me a home in heaven. I'm satisfied. I mess up. I have to confess my sin because my flesh ain't saved. But my spirit's satisfied today. It is well with my soul. I hope it is yours. So people today that are lost and they, and they know they're lost, turn to Luke chapter 13. This is the other passage account of that same passage, the other account in a different gospel. The Bible says in verse 24, strive, Luke 13, 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, but they shall not be able. 
Many are lost today, they know they're lost, and they reject God. But many are lost today, and they know they're lost, but they're seeking the wrong way. They're just going the wrong way. These are the people we're called to reach. These are the people, church, that you and I are called to give the Great Commission to. These are the people that are looking. Maybe they're dependent on their religion. Maybe they're dependent on their goodness. I don't know. Hey, but these are the people we're called to reach. But there is a group that's lost. They know they're lost, and they just reject God. I've read twice this week in the Gospels where Jesus preached a sermon. And it amazes me every time I see this. But at the end of the passage, it says, And many left and believed not. They said no to Jesus. I don't believe that. Jesus preached, no, I don't believe that. Hey, there's probably going to be some of that in here today. There's probably going to be people that that hear the gospel and will leave here and say, I don't believe that. I don't believe what that preacher's preaching. Hey, that's just the way it is. People that are lost and they know they're lost. I'm talking about atheists, agnostics, people that blaspheme God today. We see it every day on the news, church. People who mock God. People who don't believe in God and refuse to accept the fact that they're a sinner and they need a Savior. Some just choose not to believe just like they did when Jesus preached. I'm talking about millions of people who live their life only their entire life only for themselves and for what they can get out of life. They refuse to allow God to convict them of their sin. Because they don't care what God thinks and they don't care what the Bible says. You can watch television about 10 minutes and see that. That's our America today too, by the way. Amen. They don't care what God thinks or what the Bible says. They're lost and they know they're lost. One of the most powerful impressions I got of eternity when I was probably third or fourth grade. It was before I got saved. And some of y'all may know Dr. Victor Sears. He was a revival preacher. Man, he was a powerful preacher. He came to our church and preached. It was the first impression I got of eternity. And he talked about his dad. And he said, my daddy was lost. He said, God saved me as a young man and I got close to God and I knew real quick, my daddy ain't never done this. And he said, told his dad one day, he said, Dad, you know I've been going to church a lot. You know I recently got saved. Let me tell you about the Lord. And he said, his dad said, Son, don't, don't bring that stuff up. If you want to serve God, that's fine. I don't believe in God, so don't bring that up again, son. He said, Man, I didn't say nothing else about it for a long time. He said, Finally, I got older. My dad got older, started having health problems, and the Lord nudged me. He said, Hey, tell your daddy again how much I love him. He said, I told my dad, Dad, I know you told me not to bring this up several years ago, but Daddy, I want you to know God loves you. He wants to save you, Daddy. I'm concerned about your soul. He said, his dad said, Son, I told you before, I do not believe in God. My daddy didn't believe in God. If you want to believe in him, that's fine. Don't bring it up again. Get out of my face. He said, man, I left there brokenhearted. Now, I'm about an eight-year-old, seven-year-old kid sitting on the front row of the church, and I'm getting scared at this point. He said, later on, my dad's health failed. And he said this, and this is something to note. 
He said, I really believe at that point when my dad rejected God that day that God turned him over to a reprobate mind. We tend to think we can get saved on our deathbed or whenever we want or right before we die. I'll never forget Dr. Sears saying, I believe that God turned the lights out on my dad right there. That's scriptural. There comes a time God will say enough's enough. Amen. And he said on his deathbed, he went to the hospital room and the nurse said, your dad don't have long left. And I'm sitting on that front row. And he said he went in and took his dad by the hand. He said, Dad, I, I don't even know if you can hear me. He said he was about half coherent. He said, but I, I've got to tell you one more time that God loves you and he wants to save you, Daddy. Would you please listen to me for just a moment? Dad, you're on the threshold of eternity, Dad. I want you to know God will still save you. And he said, Dad, with a raspy voice, just said, Son, I told you, I don't believe in your God. And he said his dad began to cough and he said he started screaming in that room as best he could that, that it was getting dark and, son, what's happening? It's dark. I don't know what's going on, son. He said a nurse came in and said, what's going on in here? And Dr. Sears said he looked at that nurse and said, my daddy just went to hell. I'm going to tell you, church, this stuff's real. This ain't a fun message to preach. But I, I think from time to time we need to get a picture of hell again. Because I got loved ones that are going there. I got an uncle that's going there if he don't trust Jesus. Some of y'all have parents, children, loved ones. And we can sugarcoat it and rah, rah, rah all we want. But if they don't trust Jesus, they're going to go to a devil's hell. This stuff's real. Do we believe this stuff? God help us today. There's people that are lost and they know they're lost. And I'm telling you, they're headed down this gate and God doesn't sugarcoat it. He said it's going to be destruction. Total devastation. I don't think I see that today like I should. People that are lost. And they know they're lost. Your notes under that are this. We've got to hurry. They seek the wrong way. The wide gate. They, they go the easy way. Amen? The wide gate's easy. Living for yourself is easy. It, it's, the, it's the nature God gave us. It's the nature that we were born with. Sinful nature. Living for me. They go the easy way. I can't reiterate enough, this is not the easy way. If you leave here today as a born-again believer saying, I'm going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to fully surrender, hey, you just entered a hard way. We've made it easy today. We act like everything's easy today. This is a hard way. Number two under your notes, they spend their entire lives living for themselves and trying to find inner fulfillment in the things of this world. And then lastly, they are spiritually blind and have been deceived by the devil. That's in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. The Bible says the devil has blinded them. Man, they're deceived. They think they're okay, but they're not okay. 
I've been there. So the first group is people that are lost and they know they're lost. I don't know if you're in that group or not. You may be here today and say, preacher, you know what? I've never trusted Christ. I know I'm lost. You know what I love about that group? Is you're ready to be saved. You can't get saved till you get lost. The, the hardest man to see saved is the guy that thinks he's okay. But if you're here today and you're lost and you know you're lost and God's dealing with you, you are ready. Hey, all you have to do is, is, is turn to God and, and ask Him to save you and He'll do it, church. Then there's another group, the second group, that, that will hear the words, Depart from me, I never knew you. And that's, that's this group. It's people that hope they're saved. They hope they're saved. I'll give you the notes in just a minute. This group consists of people who, who think being good will get them to heaven. Man, I meet them all the time. I told you about Tom. I'm a good guy. Uh, this, this is a group of people that thinks they're, they think when they get to heaven, God's going to weigh their good works and their evil works. And if their good outweighs their evil, they're in. Wrong. Our goodness, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, is as filthy rags. The only good I have in me is something God gave me. When you compare our goodness to God's righteousness, it's a weak comparison. Because I got news for you. We're not going to go to heaven because we're good. We're going to go because of His righteousness. People that hope they're saved because they're a good person, they, they hope they're saved because they, they work hard. I'm all for being good. I, I'm talking about good daddies and good mamas. Hey, I'm talking about good employees. The fact of the matter is, church, hey, it ain't getting said a lot, but there's going to be a lot of good people go to hell. Amen. They were good mamas, good daddies, good citizens. They came to good church members because church membership ain't going to get you nowhere with God. Amen. I got news for you. You don't go to heaven because you're good. You go because you're saved. That may be the best. It's not even in there. That'd be a good one to write down. You don't go because you're good. You go because you're saved. People that hope they're saved. Luke chapter 13. Go back there with me in verse 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Verse 25. Listen to this verse. When once... The master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. They, their timing's wrong. Many won't get saved because they believe in their works or their goodness. Many hope they're saved, but their timing's wrong. He said, I've already shut the door. Remember Noah? Remember after the door was shut, all the people that were trying to get saved? And God said the door has already been shut. I got news for you. When God shuts the door on your eternity, it's shut. I know that sounds unkind. I know I probably sound like a mean preacher today. But that's just what the Scripture teaches us. When God shuts the door, it's closed. Don't think you're going to get saved later. 
If God's dealing with you today about your eternity, today's the day of salvation. Now, he in his mercy may give you another opportunity. He may give you an opportunity on your deathbed. I don't know. There's only one deathbed confession in the whole Bible. The thief on the cross is it. You may not even be in your right mind. What I am telling you according to that verse is that God says you've got to get saved on my timing when I'm dealing with you. John 6, says, Except the Spirit of God draw a man to repentance, he will not see the Father. People that hope they're saved. Their timing's wrong. They, they depend on their goodness. They depend on their works. Is that you today? They seek the wrong time when the door's shut. Look at verse 26. Thou shalt begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. They said, Lord, we, we spent time with you. They, they hope they're saved because of something they've done. But they're lost. They're lost. People who are lost and they know they're lost. And then there's another group of people that just hope they're saved because they're a good person. Well, I know a bunch of people like that. God, help me today to, to be a strong enough testimony that they realize there's nothing they can do of themselves to be saved. It still takes a yielding to God. Folks, you can't be good enough to be saved. You can't work hard enough to get you saved, get yourself saved. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you could get saved, by the way, let me say this. If you could get saved any other way, then why did Jesus die? I'm going to tell you why Jesus died, because that's the only shot we got. Amen. People who are lost and they know they're lost. People who are hope they're saved, but they're lost. They're not saved. What about you today? Do you know you're saved? How many people are you walking by today? How many people at work? How many people are crossing your path? Some of these people just need to hear the gospel. God help me today to share the gospel with someone I love. Your notes under there are this. They seek at the wrong time when the door is shut. Their timing's off. They think they're going to get saved when they want to. Number two, they seek with the wrong plea. We have done good things. That's what it said in that verse. Lord, what do you mean you've shut the door on us? We've, We've been good people. We've done good stuff. And then the third one, they seek with their mouth, but their heart is far from God. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. It's all lip service. It's all lip service. There's no substance. The Bible says there'll be ravening wolves. The Bible says they'll profess God, but they'll deny the power. It's not real. They hope they're saved. Man, I've lived a good life. I've been a good dad. I've been a responsible parent. 
I paid my taxes. I was a good citizen. I fought for my country. I'm a military man. Yeah, but are you saved? Because I got news for you, church. Your sincerity will get you nowhere with God. And by the way, it don't matter if you're a member of this church. All that really matters is are you a member of the family of God? There's one more group. This is the most heartbreaking group. Probably the hardest group to reach. Third group is this. This is people who think they're saved. People that believe they're saved, you could even say, but they're lost. They're lost. To me, this is the saddest group and I believe the Bible references this group in our original passage. People who believe they're saved, but they're lost. In our original passage, in verse 21, it said, Many will say to him that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? He's talking about preachers there. You say, Brother Butch, you mean there are preachers that will get up and preach in a pulpit that are on their way to hell? Absolutely. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not taught with you in the streets? God, we've, we've fellowship with you. These guys were telling him, Lord, we, we went around and helped you serve the 5,000. We, we spent time with you, God. We fed people with you. We, we taught in the streets with you, God. He said, I never knew you. Because of this. Being around it don't save you. Growing up around it don't save you. My wife started playing a church piano when she was seven years old. She grew up never missed a service. I mean, she grew up around church. She heard the gospel many times a week. Yet at the age of 30, and she made a profession of faith when she was about five or six. Prayed a prayer with her mama. Not against that. But she was 33 years old at the Spanish building when she came down and trusted Christ as her own personal Savior. Hallelujah. I'm glad she was willing to put her pride down. Amen. Boy, that's a hard one. When everybody knows you and everybody thinks you're saved, but you know you ain't saved. Maybe there's one of those in here today. Come today. I think about Brother Brett. I remember his testimony. We were here the first time. I think he said he was a Christian school teacher somewhere. I don't know where. California. And he said he was sitting in his office. I, I remember writing that down that day. On staff. And realized I've never trusted Jesus as my own personal Savior. You see, this is a personal, individual thing. I wish I could say to my kids and my and my Uncle Billy, hey, get over here. Get over here, man. This is good stuff. This is life. This is a narrow way. It's not easy, but this is life. We'll, we'll have eternity together. I wish I could say to Pax and Emmy, my grandbabies, get over here with me, guys. Hey, you're going to want this. It's not easy. It's a lot easier to go that way, but, but hey, get over here with Papa. Hey, this is life. But the fact of the matter is, Pax and Emmy are going to have to get saved one at a time. It's an individual thing. You're not saved because grandma was saved. If you're dependent on that, 
It's going to be a bad day at eternity. And there's a good testament to that. I remember Miss James at our church at Maranatha. Back when I was just a kid, I had been saved long. And Miss James would come in and, man, she'd fill up two pews in that church. Her whole family, kids, grandbabies, two pews would be full of that church of James's. Well, Grandma died. And in six months, they were all gone. Why? Because you can't get saved off Grandma's salvation. It's individual. People that believe they're saved, they, they think they're saved. Even my own daughter, Taylor, made a profession of faith when she was seven or eight years old, prayed with my wife. And again, I, I'm okay. I think that's good. But it was two or three years later, she came into church service and she told, I'll never forget what she told me that day. She said, Dad, I need to get saved because today I'm convicted of my sin. When I went down before, I was just scared. How many people has that happened to? I remember the very first time I went down to the altar, it's because I was scared. And all I remember, I don't know who it was. I knew my brother was going to church. He had been saved. I knew something was going on, so I went to church. And I, I don't even know why I went down. I, I just told you because I was scared. I, I thought, man, this thing of hell, this is scaring me. I'm, I'm going to go down here and talk to somebody. But I didn't get saved. I remember a guy telling me, thanks for coming, son. Sent me back to my seat. I didn't get saved. It was a couple of years later before I came down to that altar convicted of my sin and told Brother Singley, I don't know what it means. I know my daddy just got saved, but I want Jesus. And I remember backsliding and as a 19-year-old, getting it settled once and for all, and I've never doubted since. You see, if you're genuinely born again, God will give you victory over that and give you peace. If you're here today and you don't have no peace about it, you might need to get saved. If you're dependent on being around it, growing up in church, don't depend on that. If you're dependent on the fact that grandma was a Christian, don't depend on your pedigree. It's individual, one at a time. There's going to be a lot of people that believe they're saved, but they're not. Because the fact of the matter is, you can be around it, you can preach the Word, you can teach the Word, and still be lost. Because he said this, he said, I never knew you. See, a lot of people know about God, but they don't know God. And Jesus said, I never knew you. If President Trump walked into that room, like him or not, everybody in this room would know who he was. Amen? You'd know him. But if someone said, Donald Trump, do you know Terry Fry? He'd say, no, I don't know him. See, ultimately, it's not that you know about God, it's does God know you? When your name's brought up, does he know who you are? That's the important one. He didn't say, you don't know me. He said, I never knew you. Hey, there's going to be people lost and they know they're lost. Church, that's the crowd we're to go after. I mean, we're to give them the gospel. Maybe some today would come. Maybe you've got a lost uncle like I do, a lost co-worker like I do. And you, and you need to come today and say, God, give me strength to, to reach the people that I've connected with and give them Jesus. Maybe some today... 
hope they're saved because of their goodness or believe they're saved because they grew up in church, but they've never individually repented of their sin, come today and get saved. Lay your pride down because if our people are right with God, they would be thrilled that you trusted Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The message obviously today is strictly just a salvation message. Everybody in this room may be saved. I don't know. I highly doubt it. But I'm not the Holy Spirit and I'm certainly not a judge. I'm just as lost as everybody in here until I got saved. We're all sinners, amen? Maybe some in here today would say, hey, you know what? I know I'm saved, preacher. But there sure is a lot of people walking by me every week at work. A lot of people walk by me every week. Help me this week. Help me this week. What a great week to commit to God that you're going to share the gospel with somebody as we celebrate freedom. Maybe you got a lost loved one. Maybe you got a lost loved one, someone you love, and, and you just want to come down today and pray that God will save them. I can't think of a better day to come and just say, God, save my daddy. Save my child. Save my brother. God, it's been a while since I prayed. I had a burden for someone to be saved. God, save them. Maybe God will use you to lead them. Maybe you're here today and you think your good works is going to get you to heaven. Or being around it is going to get you there. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, everybody in this room thinks I'm saved. What would they think if I came down? Who cares what people think? Come down and trust Christ. What do you need to pray for today? Let's stand. I'm going to pray. When I get through praying, let's have our invitation. Father, we sure do love you today. and Lord, we... We were reminded today with a sobering verse that if we really are not born again, you're going to look at us and tell us to depart because you never knew us. I don't know how many people are like that in this room, but you do. Lord, I pray you'd save some today if they're lost. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would draw men and women to repentance. And save them. If you're dealing with them, help them realize now's the time. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Maybe some today just need to come and pray for someone they love who needs to be saved. Just come and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar asking God to save somebody that they care about. Bless this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to come.